This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, and it's been a joyous start to the season, Dan Rogers of the TheVillaUnderground.com. Welcome. The march to promotion is on an unprecedented start to the new campaign. Who would have thought? Nine points out of nine. 3-0 against Hull, 1-0 against Cardiff. Bit of a smash and grab that one, but what a performance against Reading. Oh, Yap Stam, oh. Leandro Bakuna, Johan Cruyff, Marco Van Basten, Rude Hullet, Louis Van Gaal. Your boys took one hell of a beating. Reading 1, Villa 6. Hogan Hattrick, Bjarnason with a brace, and of course, well, Bakuna scored in both ends, uh, own, own goal that actually uh, set the scoring going, and then that consolation uh, goal as a, a good buy present. It was a parting gift. I mean, nobody saw the Bjarnason scorpion kick from the halfway line coming, did they? It was just freaking, <sighs> Being, I mean, in pre-season, he was getting in positions to score, but it, it seems that he can score from anywhere when it, when it comes to proper competitive games. He's been a revelation. They were sighters, and let's, you know, this is this is where it gets real. We've had to wait five or what, six or seven years to suddenly feel happy about a Villa team, and a Villa team that actually goes out and entertains. Raise the season ticket prices, 10-year contract for Bruce, Steve Round, Lifetime Achievement Award, us all the pies you can eat, Tony Jarre, you are our god. Talking about putting up season ticket prices, overseas fans are, are bloody lucky to be watching that for like 110 quid a season. They should double the price of the uh, online streaming as well. I think that all fans should go into a ballot. No one should be entitled just to, a, you know, you should just better walk into Villa Park and buy a ticket. You should, there should be some sort of uh, very strict vetting process and... It should be begging, begging at the gates of Villa Park to watch this. It's it's beautiful football, finally, from Aston Villa. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. disappointed but we are where we are we have to accept it and 
and uh, we're all disappointed after the doom and gloom and uh, the hype, sorry. We're now all doom and gloom. We're going to stay with it. There's a long way to go. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me as usual, uh, as I sit here waiting for Birmingham Council to collect my bins and, and Aston Villa to put in a decent performance and uh, actually get three points from somewhere. Joining me is Mr. Dan Rogers of the com. Is it first world problems or am, am I living a life of doom and gloom here? Well, maybe Birmingham City Council would not only collect the trash from the street, but also our football club and just sort of scrape it, <laughs> scrape the remnants of our promotion aspirations into a murky bin. What a week it has been already. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where to put these promotion aspirations uh, in terms of the bins. Uh, <laughs> where, do they go into the uh, recycled paper? You can have the garden no. rubbish or the no. or the miscellaneous uh, recycle or just the waste. Medical waste. <laughs> Medical waste. We are the slops, the slurry, the... I want a real low after the delights of Cardiff and Reading. Cardiff need, and we will talk about them later on, Cardiff needed a response, but I think it was such a poor performance that it's going to take a few games to recover from that, ra- ra- you know, rather than the whole adage that, oh, the good thing about the championship is the games come thick and fast. <laughs> yeah, no more games, please. But anyway, let's get on to uh, what's been happening, our quick three points, something that Villa have failed to get uh, so far this season. Uh, number one... Uh, well, it's so bad now that they're giving away free tickets. Season ticket holders will get to go to see the next round of the League Cup. I refuse to call it whatever it's sponsored by now. Carabcrayola? Uh, Ca- Cara- Caraboo? Pixies had a song, Caraboo, I think. Anyway, uh, Wigan. That's a, that's a fixture to really get you salivating, isn't it? Wigan Athletic. I think they should have really just added £10 onto everybody's season card as a as payment to get them to go to that game. <laughs> Financial incentive, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the whole, I mean, I, I've, I've obviously have had messages a lot and seen it kind of exploding uh, on social media, but this, this ticket fiasco just seems to keep going on and on and on and on, doesn't it? Like in terms a... of sending tickets out in time and, you know, way tickets. And also there was a problem people receiving their season cards in time mm. as well. But I think that's finally uh, got there, has it not? Well, I normally know there's a problem in the Villa universe and I know there's a monumental problem when people start sending messages to me to try and help me to sort them out. Because my my, my role in the Villa universe is, is sending sarcastic gifts to people of... <laughs> Generally, people waving sausages at one another after a defeat. When people start, when people start contacting me for official support, I know that the system has broken. Oh, that's that's only because the, their first cause to action is to contact me uh, by DM to Facebook or Twitter, and I just block them. So they, you know, naturally have to go on to you or somewhere else. The bottom feeders. <laughs> I, I prefer to be known. Thank you. Anyway, uh, let's number two. Things that we've identified since the last podcast. Well, we're eight points off automatic promotion after just three games. And now that's pretty much one of the greatest achievements in terms of Villa messing things up. That's pretty, yeah. pretty hot. To be, after three games to be eight points off the pace. And we're it's talking you know, feat, be, behind, behind Wolves and Cardiff and, you know, teams that were middling around last season. 
Wasn't like eight points about as close as we ever got last season, was that? Uh, I think it was five stroke six. I mean, it was like five for literally a few minutes until <laughs> a game, you know, that finished. count. Come on. Are we suggesting that it won't get any better? Is that what I'm suggesting? Oh, God, I hope that's not true. It's and the third off. thing that's uh, popped up is uh, Mr. Gareth Barry uh, deciding to return to the West Midlands. But uh, I think he's got the wrong club there. Well, not for him. I mean, let's be honest. What's, what's your views on old Gareth joining the, the baggies? Still a classy player. I mean, I always think for a player who really didn't have any pace and, and a big fat arse, he's been a fantastic footballer, you know, a really, really classy footballer. I mean, it's eight years ago since he left us. and I, It was only when I looked it up earlier that that's a long time ago, isn't it, in, in footballing terms. And I think for me, it showed that when he went to Man City, we were sort of flirting with trying to become a top club again. And he was plucked from us. And you look at the gulf between the two clubs now. And, and, you know. Yeah, but that's not the question. The question was, what do you think of him going to West Brom? <laughs> I'm not interested in your diatribe and waffle. Not that I'm hung up on that or anything. Um, I, think, I think it's a really good signing for them. I think it, it's a very Poolis signing. It's annoying because... He's obviously after, is it the Premier League appearance record? Yeah. Is it Giggs who's got that? I, I yeah, he'll, he'll probably easily surpass that now, I would have thought. Yeah, no, that was the main incentive. I mean, if Villa were floating around, let's say uh, they were, I don't know, let's say a mid-table, sorry, Premier League team, uh, he, you know, he would have uh, maybe for sentimental reasons, if he was needed at Villa mm. at that time, would have probably, you know, have gone there. But look at us. Look where we are. We're in the bloody relegation zone in the Championship and Funny enough, he's the same. He's a, he's a funny, funny enough, he's the same age as Terry. So, yes. uh, but he's obviously a bit wiser than Terry. <laughs> well, something's different, isn't it? You're probably right. He's definitely going after the the appearances thing. Yeah, you, uh, you know, but to look at him and it's interesting the reaction of Everton fans, though they probably quite quick to say that the obvious things that he's 36 and the pace is isn't there. Well, the pace was never there. Yeah. But his footballing ability and his ability to pick a pass and read the game and, and, and do very straightforward... Well, I was going to say straightforward. That, that undersells him. To do them his midfield role well. You know, they'll be able to get a season or two out of him, no problem. Yeah, I remember watching him... I think it was against Derby. When I think Villa and Derby were first and second or second and third, really early doors under John Gregory. And mm. he was playing... Uh, I think he was either playing left-back or as uh, one of three when he was... I think he was 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And he looks really good. Like, you know when a player's going to be, uh, you know, a big-time player. Like, when you see Owen clean through when he was 16, yeah. 17, and he's smashing the ball into the, you know, into the top-hand corner without even thinking about it, you know he's going to be a, you know, a big player. And you see Andre Green against Reading clean through, <laughs> and you just think, meh. <laughs> There's a difference. You know when a youngster, a teenager, is going to be a top player because they've, they've just got it. And Barry had that. Barry has bags of natural ability, wasn't he? I think that's that's perhaps what you're alluding to, that he, yeah. he, he didn't need that development stage between 16 and, and 24. You know, he was, he, he was the he, complete he mix, article, Yeah, he could, mix, he could mix it with the men uh, yeah, from, the, yeah. from the off. Very true. Uh, right, before we get into this, uh, just uh, a welcome to the new patrons, uh, Sean Pitt and Johan Strandvist. Thank you very much for supporting the show and uh, the website and everything. It's much appreciated. We try to be a voice of reality and truth. We don't change our opinions willy-nilly like some. Uh, it seems to be uh, very apparent on Twitter. And other social media, we're pretty uh, non-BS mm. on this show and, and what we write. So it's good mm. to have like backing rather than... Uh, having to rely on, you know, knocking out clickbait and rumours or mm. uh, pyramid unibets. <laughs> Tweeting of social media, which uh, a lot of the uh, Aston Villa Twitter accounts are actually doing. 
because they're getting paid for it. Well, maybe they'll, when they start offering bets on our relegation, maybe the, the public opinion will change on them. Yeah, that offer where uh, you get a free bet every time uh, Villa win uh, seems to be... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent marketing on their part. <laughs> very, very, very astute. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Is is there? I mean, is there more to this than meets the eye? Is there a reason why we're not winning? <laughs> very, very suspicious. Unibet suddenly sponsor of the team, and uh, suddenly uh, giving away free bets if Villa win, and suddenly you Villa aren't winning. Doctor uh... Tony's opened an affiliate marketing company. <laughs> <laughs> Registered very, at Villa Park. <laughs> very, very, very suspicious. But yeah, sorry, if you want to join as a patron, uh, there's a reward draw coming up because you are part of the family. Go to myomansaid.com, click on patrons and get involved. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first, Cardiff or Reading? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go in chronological order, shall we? Let's take Cardiff City first. I'm not surprised that Cardiff are top of the league because you looked at that team, full of energy. They've got some decent players as well. I mean, Hoy, you know, Hoyland's mm-hmm. still very useful, and he's mm-hmm. somebody that every, you know, a lot of Premier League teams looked at at one stage. But they've got pace on the wings. Yeah. They've got pace and purpose. They know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're harassing. They're closing down. And they, they remind me, I don't know, something like a Graham Taylor team or something. The way they go about their business. The Graham Taylor when he was the manager of Villa the first time. Mm-hmm. And we we just looked completely flat-footed, and you know, almost. We were just standing there in the middle of the park watching them whiz by as they were cutting through, you know, like the proverbial metaphor, knife through butter, some of yeah. their attacks. It was always oh, embarrassing. It was very embarrassing. We were so static. I'm no fan of, of Warnock at all, and I, I do consider him a, a dinosaur of the game. But what he does well, he does is set up a team to be quite old-fashioned, quite effective. And the bit of him I do quite like is that it's it's very pure football, isn't it? That you know they they might lose a couple of goals one week, but I don't think many. Well, Warnock... well let me stop you there. They haven't conceded yet in three yet, games. Yet, yet, yet. But I think that you've drawn the comparison a few times that he's he's turned Cardiff round, hasn't he? In the same period that that Bruce has exactly um, stagnated with Villa, if you like, and that that's where I was sort of the direction I was taking with my Warnock compliment, if you like. And he's not a not a not a man I really want to see at Villa Park. But my point is that. Whilst Cardiff will, I anticipate, lose games, you know, as many as they win this season, I, I imagine few will come off the pitch with Cardiff fans saying, oh, we didn't try or we didn't have a go. Yeah. And that's that was the glaring thing at Cardiff. As soon as the, the first goal went in, it was a carbon copy of so many games we've seen over three or four seasons where you, you could almost pack up and leave and have no expectation of, the, of, of our team coming away with anything. Heads yeah. dropped. I don't know how we get rid of this losing mentality, but it persists. It's a- well, it's, it's strange because if you only have to go back a few years, this is one of the the traits of the Martin O'Neill years. Was in terms of the Premier League. I mean, there was times where we were the best of actually picking up points from losing positions. Yeah, and that was like one of our trademarks. We never gave up, and we, and we used to score a hell of a lot of the goals in the last five minutes or so. Well, there's there's lots of examples that now it's I the opposite. Back, there, there was an Everton game where we were losing 2-1 and 
and pit them, I think, 3-2, where I think yeah, Ashley Young and, yeah. and Larson ran down the touchline. That's that's probably the best example of uh, what I'm talking about, mm. but we, we're, we're almost at the opposite end of the spectrum oh. now in, in terms of oh, that just... kind of mentality. I mean, why haven't we got it? it it's a major puzzle because... So many of the, the players and the faces who you would assume would be scarred by that are long gone. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, finally, Bakuna was confirmed. <laughs> and, uh, finally, I must Bakuna. admit, we'll get on to the Reading game in a minute, but I, I, I loved his shame walk through uh, the, the supporters <laughs> before the game. Must not make eye contact. Must not no, make, make eye contact. Eye contact. <laughs> Keep walking. Brilliant picture, highlight of the season so far. But yeah, complete capitulation against Cardiff. Embarrassing. I. I don't. I really don't want to dwell on Cardiff. It, it was such a painful experience. If you told me at the start of the season we're going to lose against Cardiff, mm. you know, we lost against them in January. Tricky team. It's it's a tricky. It's one of the tricky away games to mm. go to. So you know, no big deal. Just it was just the way we lost. It was we well, we, we got never absolutely taken apart there. I mean, and like that, the first the yeah, the first I don't know. Let's say the first fifteen minutes or so. Where obviously Bruce has told them to compete and mm. you know be physical. That was almost like a token gesture in the end because we never maintained that combative no. edge. We we seem so uncompetitive. Because like. I thought Whelan was meant to be Mister Nails, <laughs> and that's why he was there. But after kind of being impressive in that Watford preseason friendly, mm. but let's let's remember Watford aren't playing at full pelt. Mm. Uh, there's not the intensity uh, because it's preseason, and is he getting overrun because of the rest of the midfield's not up to it? But he's uh, suddenly looking like an old man straight away. I think we we are set up so deep that our our holding midfielders are almost, you know, people arrive at our holding midfielder on top of the defence. And the way that, especially with the pace and the, the way that Cardiff moved across the front line, we were so static and we were so, it was almost like we were trying to play zonal, you know, we, we were so... We saw it, I mean, we'll we'll segue into the Reading game. I and mean, we, we saw Bjarnason playing, he was meant to be playing, let's say, right mid, midfield. And he's obviously been instructed to uh, mm. play so deep. Yes, you know when they're defending, and he was like on Richie Delat's toes, yeah, and they, yeah, they yeah. were—they didn't know who was playing right back and who wasn't. And there was times that Richie Delat was coming out to meet the midfielder running, and Bjarnason was in the right back position, and it was a complete farce. It should have been the other way round to keep in their natural positions, and it was—it was such a mix mash because, as you said, it gets compressed. Everybody plays so deep, and they're treading on each other's toes, and you've suddenly got this like one line of six at the back. Well, so, I mean, let, let, let's focus purely on on the Reading farce. As, as it was, we in the first half we played in our in our final third. We we didn't have show any ambition. Our formation didn't allow us to play out first of all, but yeah. we showed no ambition when we did get the ball and had, didn't have the ability to. So look at Bjarnason again in that game, and yeah, we're starting to see enough of him to actually concern me to say I'm, you know, I, I don't know what his role is in this team. There might. There, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's an, I mean, in pre-season, he was getting in decent positions uh, for chances, but against Reading, uh, he was a complete headless chicken. Negatron alert. New scapegoat needed. Bekuna exterminated. Install Bjarnason. Install Bjarnason. You struggle to justify it. And, you know, there was issues where, like, someone pointed out to what reminded me on Twitter, you know, he, 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 couldn't, he didn't even trap the ball. His movement, his passing was wayward on a couple of occasions. He had three chances in the game. You know, he yeah. pinged the one over the bar. He had the the effort that was blocked, and then he um he had a from a from a good deep cross from Hurahan. He headed tamely wide, so he gets into the positions. But you just I wonder whether he lacks actually that real top level quality where 
if those chances are falling to you and you get two or three of those chances, you take one at least and you're hitting yeah, the target on the others. We, we haven't got many players who do that, have we? We absolutely don't. I mean, Green missed another chance, didn't he, in the opening? Yeah, I've highlighted that, well, from last season. His final <laughs> touch, or whatever it is, if it's a shot, a cross, a pass, that end product, which it's, it's all about decision-making, isn't it? Mm, it's just mm. the, that kind of football brain in the last instant just hasn't happened for him. I mean, today no. was a guilt-edged chance. I mean, you'd you'd expect anybody apart from probably Gabby and Rio, Nigel Rio Coca to put 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 away that one on one. I mean, he, he took it way too early. He could have taken it on another two or three steps before he, uh, you know, put it past the keeper. We seem to find ourselves in a position where we have this opportunity. We we let it slip, and then we immediately find ourselves, you know, in in, in sort of bogged down in our negative, yeah. draw focused play that doesn't allow us to actually press a team or build any sort of because, head of steam against them and then and then the other team scores it's because we went to the majeski knowing mm. that uh they're a possession-based team well they were at half time they had about 77 percent of the possession mm, it's almost 80 percent wasn't it yeah so uh bruce is obviously going to sit back and this is what we're you know what we're just alluding to uh the midfielders trampling on the toes of the full backs and if we got that goal then suddenly bruce's game plan has some logic to it we we show no ambition or flair or ingenuity to actually yeah. create that goal. I don't, you know, much later on, Adoma comes on and starts pinging some balls in. But you have to ask, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast, who who's putting their arm around Andre Green and saying, stop running the same channel over and over? You, you know, there's no harm in... When he gets the ball... Uh, he does all the hard work, doesn't he? There's nobody supporting him no. close to him. And no. also... Uh... Nomar as well when he had the ball I mean I, you know you want to do a screen grab of when they've got the ball and the distance away I mean if we were, had that Gary Neville machine and you <laughs> the sky machine every t- there was a couple of times when Neymar got the ball and uh, Green got the ball and there was nobody cl- no. within about 30 yards of them nobody running to support they're standing there like statues which has been a big criticism of Aston Villa players for a you know, long long time now well uh, there's, a, there's two bits to that it was the first time I noticed Neymar looked up a couple of times and, and as you say, there was there was two or three Reading players in front of him, and his choice in the early stages was was Hogan, who was you know there's two men on him, and then yeah. and then Gabby's got exactly the same problem, and I, I sympathise with the striker, and it's a double thing really that we've got to create the movement in the midfield, so there's got to be a give and go with another midfielder, but Hurahan was was anchored so deep it didn't allow it. Yeah, and you need runners to take yeah. away yeah, take yeah, away yeah. Uh, some of the defenders to open up the space for the the Hogans and the Abonglahors. And, and a couple of times in the uh, I think it was the second half as we were starting, we needed to chase the game. And Noma had to he had to play these 30, 30 yard passes right and left a couple of times to either Delat or uh, um, whoever was out on the left at that time. And, and then you're just thinking we're not actually going forward. <laughs> At half time, I thought, well, you know, it's nothing's happening there. Mm. So the good news is it's still nil nil. But the problem is Bruce doesn't seem to be able to, I don't know, influence, make changes, no. uh, you know, with the system or, or whatever. And you know, we were, I mean, I think their goal was very lucky. Mm. Let's let's, uh, let's put it that way. But uh, still, it's it's almost like it, it was almost. It's no surprise when it went in. I mean, I'm very critical that you know. The team talk. What what does, what what level of motivation is that offering? Because inside a couple of minutes, a matter of seconds, they're in our six yard box, albeit getting a fluky shot on goal. But they're in the kind of position that we didn't get. We don't get into. Yeah. You know, where, where are our chance, half chance efforts? Where are our? How, why aren't we pressing teams like this? You know, um, and and I think that we we invite the pressure by being so deep. You know, Whelan Whelan's in and around six eight yards from goal. And the guy's unopposed in taking a, sh- a shot. You know, it's 
and that happened seven or eight times actually I counted over the night that the amount of unopposed efforts they had from wherever it was some yeah. of them speculative some of them but no one allows us to do that and and the other the huge huge worry that I've got and it is around our lack of goals we simply don't get ourselves into a position where we can even have these opportunities quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, Hogan going off, I should a sigh of predictability almost, yeah. that uh, he doesn't seem somebody you can, uh, as Ron Atkinson used to say in his commentary, uh, no, not the racist things he used to say in his commentary. <laughs> He'd, he'd always say, uh, you know, you can bet your house on uh, mm. you know, that striker mm. scoring, uh, but you can almost bet your house on Hogan going off injured. It's uh, not quite a Nathan Baker because you knew that he would be ready for the next game. But Hogan, you know, when he goes off, he's, you're thinking, well, is he going to be out for a week or is he out yeah. for six months? You've got no idea. It's it's very sick notice, if you ask me. And I think increasingly that will, it's starting to worry me. I, I'm a defender of Hogan and have been, have been since he's joined us. I mean, he hasn't been here that long. Because at the moment, while we're waiting for Uncle Codger to come back, mm. uh, he's our uh, well, he's mm. he's our main hope to be a suddenly fire into promotion form. He has, but I've done you feel he, he's poorly serviced, but he seems to lack the fire in the belly for me. You know, the he was on the pitch for barely half an hour, but I don't feel it yet with him. I, I yeah, don't. I don't. I don't. And that's that's a major worry that he went off and Gabby was coming on and annoyed because I'm thinking, well, Gabby, I know everything there is to know about Gabby. I think it's an indictment of Hogan's struggles, really, that, that Gabby comes on. Um, he has a pretty indifferent game for me when he is on the pitch, but at, at the telling moment, like the, the chest down for Hurahan's goal, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, Can't fault it. Not his biggest fan, definitely not his biggest fan. He's definitely on the way out for us. But yeah, but, no, I, I agree. When he came on, I thought, well... Normally I would be like, oh, here we yeah. go. But you're just thinking, well, you we might as well. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be any worse. And exactly. It, Which, uh, how not, is that not, possible? How is that possible, exactly? Uh, you, you mentioned Hurahan scoring. He starts, he scores. Any mm. coincidence? And, and the thing about it is in the, for the, the long period of that game, he was so deep. And when yeah. we allowed him to you know, get over the ball, take 
take the set pieces. I thought we were poor responding to a lot of the set pieces he's put in. But first sniff he scores. His delivery was good. Yeah, his delivery's good. I don't think we've seen enough of him. I think people have formed opinions of it of him. I don't think his I don't think his form has been fantastic at times for us. He's been played another one who's been played in a in a deeper, more shackled yeah. role as I've referred to it on, on my blog. Yeah. But when you get him up the pitch Away from, get him away from the centre halves. Get it, you know. When we bought him from Barnsley, he was he was behind the strikers. He was scoring goals. He was assisting. Yeah. You no, know, he absolutely thundered that in against Reading, and that was the only sniff he had across ninety minutes. Give him more chances. I remember going uh, last season to the New York Stadium, Rotherham, mm. and that game was going nowhere, nil nil. Typical Villa performance, and then Horahan started making runs and started pushing a lot mm. more forward and completely won us the game. Yeah. He scored and, you know, also uh, was the catalyst to Villa going forward every time. And, and I thought, well, this is, you know, this is the watershed now. He's This is how you play him. You get him further up front. But Bruce has just pulled him back again. And he's he's hasn't been allowed to play unshackled. And, you know, we mentioned this uh, 4-2-3-1 formation, which uh, Bruce has kind of retreated from. Mm. I mean, he's only tried it once, and that was Grealish in the uh, central attacking midfield role. Why not just do that again but you know just put her hand there instead i don't i don't quite understand it i thought that formation was there for grealish and her hand basically to fight it out i don't understand it at all i think i mean we're obviously we're focusing on on her hand here and we know what his qualities are i don't understand why we went single-mindedly after a player who was creating so many assists last season and then said to him, we want you to do a completely different role. It reminds me of when we bought Rio Coca from West Ham all those years ago, that yeah. he was the, he was the a genuine box-to-box midfielder and, and Martin O'Neill immediately wanted to convert him into a defensive midfielder. It, yeah. it still makes no sense. Hurahan seems to have a real... He can pick a pass and he can, given, a, given the opportunity, score goals, especially if we're going to play with a lone man. You know, that was the thing with, with the Grealish-Hogan partnership, wasn't it? That you've got Hogan sort of sniffing around in the middle and yeah. then Grealish off him. We saw it against Colchester where they basically employed O'Hare in the same role in Grealish's absence. And that's no different to what Hurahan was doing. He was he was sniffing around the edge of the D and lo and behold, gets the knockdown, smashes it in. Sticking with the midfield quickly, next game, who do you go for, Lansbury or Nomar? This season's showing so far a Nomar. Lansbury, baffled, baffled by his lack of form. Yeah, you spoke about it last time, but uh, he's got to definitely step up. I mean, I would keep Hurahan in there you've, and, and allow him, as we've said, to uh, mm. play a more kind of forward role. Before the Reading game, uh, you know, I, I would see it on social media, people talking about this is a must-win game. It's, I mean, it's like a knee-jerk reaction to the Cardiff game and, and how bad that performance was. But people saying it's must-win, is what they're saying is he has to be fired if we don't win. I mean, I put a tweet out basically saying it's not a must-win because, mm. I mean, obviously you want to win everything. Every game, but in the context of Bruce being sacked, Reading best home form uh, last season in the Championship. If I'm not wrong, well, I think we were one of only two teams to beat them yeah. on their own pitch. So uh, that's going to yeah. be factored in. So to beat yeah. them would be a, a, a good achievement. But third game of a season where the manager's just had his first preseason and he's just brought yeah. in another bunch of players. Is it six? And uh, you sack him after three games. That would just show. No. That would just show your your club's a big. It's just a circus, basically. I mean, it, it kind of is at the moment, anyway. Mm. But, uh, but you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. It, and I get, you know, I get some responses calling me a moron for saying this. Well, hello, but uh, unless we wake up tomorrow and Bruce has gone, mm. that's just the logic. It's it's the age we live in now. It's like everybody's now Arsenal supporters, where they they lose a game and they want the manager out <laughs> straight away. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? 
Hey there, fellow fans. This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. It's come to my attention that you're planning another relegation. Remember the deal, Tony. It was promotion, and then you pay me the remaining 30 million bucks. What are you playing at? I mean, it gets a little suspicious when you got a betting company on the front of your shirt, and you're suddenly losing to Cardiff and Reading. I didn't even know those places had soccer teams. I want my money, Dr. Tony. Promotion, or you'll face fire and fury like never before. Now, as you all know, if you're a regular listener to the show, or if, if you read uh, any of our respective blogs, we're not big Bruceites. No. And there's some Bruceites out there who have sworn blindly that he's like the second coming when he came to Villa, and now they want him out straight away. Yes. But we have, you know, you have to be rational. He's not going anywhere until the hierarchy are convinced that he's definitely not going to get us anywhere and obviously have enough time to rectify the issue. Because if you get it right, you can still get into the playoffs even if you start your season in October or, you know, that, that kind of like... We're not going to get automatic promotion if we fanny around any longer. Bruce has to... Uh, if we're going to get automatic promotion, Bruce has to lead us to that. If he carries on the way he has been doing, then uh, it's going to heat up. I think it's the way that... But you've got to give him some games. He's got to be given games, and, and, and that's the distinction that I've made that I've certainly tried to... And, you know, I'm tongue-in-cheek with with things at, at times or most of the time to some degree but we've got to be constructive with our cr- criticism of him I think that exactly. the errors that he's making are, are glaring at times um, and the, the tactics are baffling because they're, they're counter to what our stated ambitions are None of, a lot of the things that we're doing don't help us get into a, a, a winning motion I think he's probably got 10 games yeah. um, but, and I think that what will happen is is probably what people don't want to consider is that when we reach 10 games, if he survives, he will have seen an upturn in form that puts us hopefully on a trajectory for promotion. If we reach 10 games and he's failing, we'll be too far gone. It'll be the same situation as last season. You'll be 10 games off the pace. History repeating itself. Um, And and that's the big challenge that we've got. And the biggest... Uh, and amongst another of of puzzles in my mind is that we've got we've had massive investments. I do think we've overpaid. Yeah. For for some players, yeah. I, in my head we have. If I was recruiting when they were recruiting after Di Matteo, Bruce pretty much ticks the boxes, doesn't he, for getting you out of the division? Yeah. Broadly speaking, I'm running a poll at the moment on the website. Mm. Who was the best January uh, signing? And Sam Johnson is way out in front. Listen, but, I think he's been massively you, let down by some of the signings. Yeah, but you look at those players and you think. I mean, I can criti- you can criticise now mm. the old boys that have come in. You could say, oh, you know, we need uh, championship, you know, young and hungry players. And I think, you know, that January window, that's what we bought. You know, we bought some of the best players, mm. not even on paper, but mm. Mm. that we've seen in the championship. You know, Hurrahan, Lansbury's, these are players that have actually impressed when we watched them, you know, as mm, Villa fans, you know, where you actually appreciate the opposition. You thought, yeah, actually, we wouldn't mind him. And we bought those kind of players. I think this that's where I have a lot of sympathy for Bruce because he must he must look down the team sheet and you know let's take a Lansbury he has been largely chronically poor since he's joined us he's shown next to nothing yeah. in terms of the qualities and the attributes that I would say that he should be bringing to our team now is is this because some of these players are you know Lansbury's a player who's come from the Arsenal academy but let's not delude ourselves he did not make the grade at Arsenal 
He yeah. didn't. So these aren't Arsenal players, you know, like, like Hurahan had to drop down the divisions and worked his way with Barnsley. The expectation is different at Barnsley to what it is at Aston Villa. Yeah. You know, he's big fish, small pond. And that is the mentality. We expect to get promotion. You know, these are big, big, big rewards for these players as well. These are these are rich guys anyway to some degree, but the payday at Aston Villa for, for, for the moves that some of them got in January were massive. Signing on fees before you've even factored in, in the wages. Exactly. And a lot of money, again, spent. I mean, you look at this window and you think, oh, well, you know, we've got a bunch of players in for 2.5 million or whatever. But the reality is the wages are still... Uh, Staggering. Pretty, and you know Terry's not here. It's not a charity worker, is he? Of course he bloody isn't. And, and that that's the that's the bit I suppose that I've been clinging to, and and, and you have as as well, uh, in part. You know I'm not going to put words in in your mouth, but that's that's the mantra that you know I I don't take any great pride in having saying. Well, told you so to a degree that our planning has been. I think so heavily weighted on the fact that if we throw lots and lots of money at this, in in terms of the playing side of things, yeah, we'll be all right. I do think we're in better shape than we were say January, but for whatever reason, we haven't moulded into a team. You know, so we've, we're very much a team of individuals, but in amongst them, nobody's the opposite of the Codger problem, really. So we were first world problems, we were bemoaning that he was being greedy. Well, where's our yeah. greedy midfielder who, you know, wants to grab the, the ball and smash the free kick into the net? Where's our defender who's pushing the other defender out of the way to, to make the last ditch header? Um, and the fact that the goalkeeper's the most preferred player on your poll so far <laughs> says it all. You know, our goalkeeper's been man of the match probably the last three weeks. Yeah, whoever it is, Steer or, or Johnson, yeah. Spin the tombola of goalkeepers, yeah. They said this before, we didn't play enough games in pre-season to get any semblance of a team going. I mean, uh, yes, they practice uh, 11 against 11 and they play behind closed doors games, but they didn't play enough proper games <laughs> against a team that wants to beat them to really uh, get anything gelled and bedded down. Well, f- flawed, flawed pre-season. Let's, aside from a couple of, um, what was the most competitive game we had? Watford, Warsaw, uh, you know the competition Shrew- in Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, yeah, the, the competition in Germany was an absolute joke. Yeah. you know, it, it's embarrassing that we even went. To be honest, it is yeah. actually. I mean, in hindsight, it's nice to win things, and you only can only beat what's in front of you. But those two teams were playing. Oh, well, there's three teams. Other three teams, were, you know, they weren't playing full strength teams. Yeah, Forty-five minute non-tournament when we should have been playing. You know, get out to mainland Europe and play three half-decent European teams if you're going to do it. Yeah. What? I'm Steve Bruce. Well, I want to be playing competitive games to prepare. My, he must have when, learned jack when we, all out. When we played the Peace Cup, for example, we played... Juventus, for God's sake. <laughs> we played, I think it's four, is it four full 90-minute games? Yeah, well, the yeah. Juventus game went over into, uh, obviously, extra time and penalties. penalties yeah. So there's, there's, there's your tournament. You've already played uh, four loads of 90 minutes and some, mm-hmm. and then you've played all the other pre-season games. This time, we've hardly played any games. It's like, is this like some kind of new modern approach to football where you play as little pre-season games as possible? I mean, after the Tim Sherwood's first season, I thought, we need three more games here. Mm. at least two or three more games because we are not ready these players have just come off off the plane from france and spain and wherever they've come from and you know they there's no way they're gelled into a team and no. and this time around my head was thinking this isn't a promotion team and my heart's thinking well we've got a we've got on paper we've got a great team you know we can do this but uh i mean you threw some stats my way is it like we've won one out of the last nine championship games is that mm-hmm. true we haven't won since april i think it is oh, God. I, I think just taking it back to 
a lack of preparedness. I think it was. Let's let's sorry. Let's all go to Portugal and play golf. Well, I bet Terry regrets that fucking game of golf, doesn't he? Jesus, <laughs> he never accepted that round. And this pre 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 season, they talked about going to Portugal, where they would train and the players would hang out. Mm. I mean. You know, how many was it, 12? or well, I can't remember the exact number, but more than they expected. The idea was there, was this excuse that Bruce used last season was the players weren't fit, you know, the same excuse mm. every man, every new manager uses. Yes, it's always and the same. And so this season. time, they're meant to be fit, but you look at that Reading game, and they're not, they're not bothering to close down, they're just playing deep and just setting up two banks. And I think we would, I thought he was trying to get them fit so we'd be a bit more high-pressing and, you know, get at teams. But look at Bakuna and look at our lack of ability to establish a, a settled eleven. So Bakuna stays away late because he's involved in the Caribbean Cup, so he misses all that pre preseason, some of the preseason initial preseason games. Rumors he's leaving, appears in the first team squad for the first game, plays ahead of three other midfielders who Bruce has bought, has a mare, gets sold. Doesn't make any sense, does <laughs> it? Doesn't make any sense. What's what is the team? Who is and and, and that proves to me he doesn't no, and that's a major concern. When, yeah, when to... Bakuna, t- I mean, I'm not getting at Bakuna himself, but when he turned up on that f- first 11 team sheet against Hull, you just thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> it's baffling. <laughs> We've got problems. We've got major problems. <laughs> Bruce, exactly. uh, what's, what are you doing, Mr. Uh, Bruce? Negatron alert. Bruce says he's the right man for the job. Mash the potato. Mash the potato head. Well, what are you doing? And you can't tell me that other players in the squad, and this is where my mind starts whirring. Your hands, your Lansbury's, whoever, surely have got to be looking at one another when that team sheet goes up on the board and going, what? You know, that this isn't what I'm here for. And yeah. if Bakuna, you know, Bakuna was pretty much, has been linked back end of the summer into the early part of the season. So, you know, the, the Reading deal was, I mean, it was mooted yeah, three or four I mean, weeks before it happened, really, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, that, yeah, as we said, the fact that he appeared on that team sheet bizarre. was like, what the hell is happening here? You know, one of the big arguments, well, you got to give Bruce a full season, get, mm-hmm. let him get his own men in. Well, he got his own men in and he put them all on Drop. the bench. <laughs> right, so we'll let you know when the real first must-win game comes up. <laughs> because at the moment, I mean, I'm still cool. It's, you know, I don't normally look at the, well, when I was a, mm. a younger guy, I, you know, used to look at the league table and take it seriously after five or six games. Now it's, uh, you know, straight away. Well, even when I was young, they didn't used to print the league table, I think, until about yeah. now. No, mm, that's so. that's very true, yeah. Mm. I mean, like Graham Taylor, first first season uh, when he took over and, and that was the main mission, get us up. You know, he didn't. He didn't win in his first four games. He won no. one, one out of his first seven games. Now, if that happens to Bruce, it, you know, people uh, weren't actually getting that edgy. Uh, my memory is probably failing me, but it wasn't like anything like it is after two games. No. I think the thing is that <laughs> now, if, if we were, if we were on, if we were trying and we were being unlucky, or yeah, that's the main thing. I think that's here. the thing, and it's that old adage, isn't it, that fans won't be bothered if you come off the pitch and you've had a go. It's not all about that. You know, I'm not so naive to think that. You got Millwall. And Ipswich going at each other, and it was yeah. was it four three in the end. Yeah, and this yeah. is you know this is what you want to be seeing. Uh, you're having a go. If you've got deficiencies in defence or whatever, fair enough. You you sort it out. But at least you know be attacking and uh, trying. Conversely, I think we're better than that as well. I think that if we actually had a go at teams, I think we've got enough. We carry enough threat that yeah. I think if we got the upper hand in a game and actually we could. Maybe it will take that. Maybe it will take us to realise and get one, two, three goals against someone. Now I am dreaming. We've got to somehow find this winning mentality. And my my biggest fear is that is it going to be like last se- last season that we get we get a win, 
but then it's another two or three weeks before we get another win and we have a draw and we'd lose. Yeah. Because what Newcastle did last season is they, they lost a couple of games and then they went on 115. Yeah. And that's how you get out of the division. Exactly. I mean, look at the teams uh, who started well so far. I think there's three teams that are 100% still. Cardiff, Wolves, Ipswich. I mean, Wolves are mm-hmm. doing what they were supposed to be doing last season. Yep. And they've, they've really fired off. And they're kind of, you know, fairly exciting at the moment. Cardiff, I think they're going to be, they're like a benchmark team, I think. If you're looking at promotion, you've got to be beating Cardiff. Well, Wolves are having that sort of uplift, that delayed uplift. But what their mm. owners have done this season, quite cleverly, I suppose, is they've they've gone out and they've got a marquee signing, haven't they? And yeah, but Wolves, you know, they're they're seizing seizing the initiative and they're trying to you know benefit off that having a new owner and, and some intent. You know, they've gone out and they've spent serious money on on Ruben Neves, and he goes and scores an absolute screamer for them in their last game, and it's. You know, what's that? They're three from three. It changes the narrative. It changes the feeling around a football yeah, club. You get that confidence flowing through your veins. Exactly. And immediately it turns heads as well. An excitement, because Wolves haven't been thinking about promotion for a long time. And uh, mm. once you get that sniff of uh, there's a potential reality there, then players do up the game. I mean, mention what Newcastle did. And now Middlesbrough... I mean, Villa were supposed favourites, but Middlesbrough yeah. were, were the second favourites as the yeah. most able of the teams that dropped down. You know, they lost, but they won. You know, they won too. So it's like that thing, if you're going to get beat, make sure you win your next game. And it's, they seem to be doing that no problem. And Hernandez is scoring for Hull. He scored a hat-trick in the previous game. So, they've, you know, those teams, uh, they're going to be there and thereabouts. And Villa at the moment really need to get some kind of method- methodology behind what they're going to be doing this season or else we're going to be waking up at Christmas and uh, realising that it's, it's going to take another miracle and desperate scramble in the January window and a new manager to give us any chance. Did that make any sense? <laughs> None of this makes any sense. I can't understand how, after all of this, we're worse. <laughs> uh, one fan, I think he was <laughs> replying to Stan Collymore. Stan Collymore's uh, getting on the doom and gloom train. Hooray! Well, with justification, but I think it's a bit it's a bit easy at the moment to be kicking uh, the team while it's down. But somebody replied to him, we've been shit before in the late 60s, or actually ni- 1968, mm. we almost we almost went out of business, and obviously we, we were fannying around in the old Division 3. But uh, after almost going out of business in 68, we, 14 years later we became champions of Europe, and he said, we always bounce back. Well, let's bloody well hope so. And on that note of bouncing back, bounce the podcast around a bit. Tell your friends about it. If you like it, uh, please, if you do enjoy the show, give us a review on uh, iTunes, preferably with five stars, and then you can say what the hell you want about it. But that kind of stuff helps, and I think we'll do a Q&A uh, next up. So uh, send us any questions or anything you want discussing uh, on Twitter at Aston Villa Pod. And use the hashtag MomsQT, M-O-M-S-Q-T, as in question time. And until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said... Twitter comment of the week. Would rather watch my missus suck my dad off than this shit. Villa are so fucking boring. Brilliant picture, highlight of the season so far. But yeah, complete capitulation against Coventry. Coventry? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's in a couple of seasons' time when we're fighting for League Two survival. <laughs>
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.